Welcome to Stories from the Midland, a collection of historic tales from Teller County and the surrounding areas. In today's episode, Trevor is taking us on an exploration of the history of the Colorado School for the Deaf and Blind. This episode was originally published as an article in the Maverick Observer at themaverickobserver.com. This episode was written and is being presented for you by Trevor Phipps. Hello everyone, this is Trevor Phipps with Stories from the Midland. Colorado School for the Deaf and Blind fills a need in the community. The school still serves its function to educate the hearing and visually impaired. The School for the Deaf and Blind, CSDB, started in the late 19th century with a handful of students and it continues to serve as a staple in the community. The campus has grown and it now educates hundreds of students through its various programs after being in existence for 149 years. From its beginning, the school has been welcomed and supported by various people from the community, making it what it is today. Since its inception, the school has educated people who have moved on to become famous, including some star athletes. According to their website, the school now serves over 700 students on its campus and across the state. The campus offers preschool, K-12, and post-high school programs for people who are deaf, blind, or both. The campus consists of three main schools, one for the hearing impaired, one for the visually impaired, and one for post-high school learning. The campus has also become known as a place where innovative technologies to aid people with hearing or visual disabilities have been implemented. The school is built on donated land. According to the Colorado Encyclopedia, CSDB was founded as, quote, the Colorado Institute for the Education of Mutes, unquote, in 1874 by Jonathan R. Kennedy, who moved to the state from Kansas the year before. Prior to relocating his family to Colorado, Kennedy worked for a school for the hearing impaired in Olath, Kansas, and he had three deaf children of his own. Once he moved to Denver, he started campaigning state leaders to get behind him on a plan to establish a school for the hearing impaired in Colorado. He quickly received backing from Territorial Governor Samuel Elbert and various territorial legislators who gave him $5,000 to start up the school. Once the money was approved, Kennedy then began looking for a location to start building the campus. After hearing of the plans, Colorado Springs founder, William Jackson Palmer, offered to donate 10 acres of land east of the downtown region of the city, making the growing town south of Denver the school's new home. In the first year, the school began operations. A mere seven students, including Kennedy's three children, were educated in a rented two-story house with four rooms on each floor on the corner of Cucharas and Tejon Streets. The building quickly proved to be inadequate, so in 1875, the school moved into the first building constructed on the land Palmer donated at the corner of East Pikes Peak Avenue and Institute Street. In 1883, the school opened up to blind students, which eventually led to its name change to what it is today. According to the Colorado Springs Pioneer Museum's website, the students learned the basic reading, writing, and arithmetic, as well as trades like farming, carpentry, broom making, sewing and printing. For over half a century, the school had its own 200-acre dairy farm where students helped take care of pigs, cows, and chickens. In the school's handbook from 1893, the enrollment numbers show that even though the campus started off small, it quickly grew from seven students to over 80 in 1892 with a total of 180 students educated and less than 20 years of existence. CSDB's claim to fame. 
The school's website contains three videos on the history of the campus, which talks about the famous figures that attended CSDB. One of the videos tells a story of 1889 graduate Paul Hubbard, who went on to play football at the college level. After playing for a while with his teammates, he figured out that they could understand his sign language. He then decided to call on his teammates closely together so that they could sign to them without anyone else seeing. Hubbard's move caught on and eventually made its way to the National Football League, making him recognized as the one who invented the huddle in football. The school is also famous for being located next door to an experimental lab of notable inventor Nikola Tesla. And Kennedy's hearing-impaired daughter who attended the school was the mother of famous movie star Lon Chaney. One of the school buildings catches on fire. In one of the videos on the history, Grace Hapdenstahl, who graduated in 1955, tells the story of the day a fire broke out inside the school's main building in 1950. The building's alarm started going off, which prompted the teachers to evacuate the students. But before the fire grew in size, the school's principal and two male students ran back inside to save the portraits of famous figures like Palmer and Kennedy. The portraits were rescued before the building completely burnt down and collapsed. What caused the fire was that there were some old electrical wires upstairs and there were a bunch of braille books that were stored there, Happenstall recalls in the video. When the wire came in contact with the books, it caused the fire. After the building was destroyed, the Gottlieb building was constructed in its place in 1952. The school implements cutting-edge technologies. Since its inception, CSDB has become known for using the latest technologies to help their students learn. Engineers solve problems and provide opportunities. In the late 1960s, Vernon Grimes, volunteer at the CSDB, helped develop beepball technology, the Pioneer Museum's curator stated on its website. This simple yet remarkable device allows visually impaired people to use a sound-emitting ball to play adaptive baseball, football, basketball, soccer, and even juggle. Originally designed by Mountain Bell engineer Charles Fairbanks, Grimes and other Telephone Pioneers of America volunteers improved the prototype by refining the electrical components and placing the smaller ball inside a 16-inch softball to keep the ball intact after being hit by a swinging batter. In one of the history videos, 2022 graduate Alicia Bates explains an upgrade completed on the building in 2013 that allowed for different lighting schemes for blind students. Teachers can use software to adjust the brightness and color temperature of individual rows of lights in the classroom, Bates said in the video. After they evaluate our lighting need based on eye condition and visual comfort, they program the LED lights. Students with similar lighting needs can sit together. For example, I prefer brighter lights and students with the albinism in my class prefer less intense colored lights. Having the right lighting makes the classroom more comfortable so it's easier to learn. The campus has received numerous remodels to cater to new technologies through the years, but efforts have been made to maintain its historic look. Thank you for listening. This is Tommy Allen and on behalf of Trevor Phipps, have a great day. And should you find yourself looking for some innovative people, some of the specialty schools may be a fantastic place to start. We look forward to having you join us next time for more Stories from the Midland.